But welcome back to the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I am here with Joseph Tillman. How are you, Joseph? <laughs> I'm swell. That's great. So this week on this episode, and possibly the next one, maybe, mm-hmm. we'll see how this one turns out. But we are we are going to be looking at church, at deconstruction more from the church's perspective as opposed to the last time we were looking at it from more like what what does the individual go through. So this time we're looking at what what role does the church play and what can they do about this issue. So getting into it, my first question is, what is it about how Christianity and the way it's presented to children or people in general? Mm-hmm. We, we talked about how it's mostly younger people that, that go through this when they sure. grow up in church. But what is it about Christianity and how the church is presenting it to people that makes people deconstruct? I believe sometimes the church comes across as if Christianity is perfectly packaged. So, for example, the doctrines, the beliefs, the ethics are so clear and so concise. And if you just obey all of these things, everything is fine. And the reality is is that I just don't think this is true. You know, faith is messy, life is messy. And then on top of that, you know, we're trying to grasp an eternal, immutable, holy being that is completely unlike us. And so we're making statements of what this holy, eternal God is like and what he's done and is doing and will do. And we're trying to learn how we should come to know and follow this God. And and so I think we package it so so well sometimes, and it comes across as if there's no space for question. There's no space for even seeing other sides to it or um, examining it. And, and we're definitely not being invited into those kind of questions. And so I think it just comes off too perfectly packaged. Okay, so when you say perfectly packaged and it, and it taught so well, do mm-hmm. you mean taught simply? Like, I, I like well as in there's no holes that can be poked in this or I can't ask, like, no question I ask is ever going to tear this down. Or, I mean, obviously yeah. it shouldn't be torn down, but no question I ask is going to, should penetrate my own faith yeah, I, I guess I, I guess what I mean by perfectly packaged is it's like okay, here's what we believe. Here's what we believe. It's just this easy. Like here's what we believe about creation. Believe it. Here's what we believe about eternity. Believe it. So like an infomercial, right? Okay. <laughs> I guess yeah, like an infomercial. Like yeah, in the sense that okay, here's what we believe. It's very well laid out. Just believe it. That's what the Bible says. Just believe it. And and then, you know, you, you take the, especially the kind of the stylistic or the, or the style of presentations in the modern church, and it's, it's presented as, you know, relevant and flashy. And, you know, it's, you know, you get your PowerPoints and it's all well presented and it just seems to make sense in the moment. And I think... Unfortunately, what it doesn't leave is room to say, yeah, but 
I don't. I think there is another way of looking at this, mm. or there is another way of examining this. Or what if I think that passage doesn't say what you're saying it means? Where does you know talk about creation? Where does science fit in to creationism? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I I think sometimes it's just yeah so neatly packaged, but I think that as we're grappling and wrestling with faith and with God and with who He is. I mean, God is holy and God is, there's so much mystery in God. And the Bible does give us clear revelation of that, a, a clear revelation. I mean, let me actually rephrase that. The Bible does give us revelation of who God is, but people have actually been wrestling around with scripture and interpreting scripture for, I mean, 2000 years, you know. Hence all the different types of churches. Right. I mean, you know, we're a country, you know, for you know, all intents and purposes, born in Protestantism. And so we have Lutherans and Methodists and Baptists and, you know, I mean, Anglicans and, every, you know, Episcopalians and Presbyterians and, you know, you know now we've got independents and non-denominational now. And so, yeah, there's, and, and so, but people have been wrestling around with Scripture and, and how to grapple with Scripture. And, and in a lot of ways, that's why creeds were developed as well, to just give us a central all right, if we believe this, mm-hmm. we can hold together in unity mm-hmm. as Christians. And, the, you know, becoming kind of those essentials. And so I think when we don't present multiple sides to things, we don't present there's other ways of looking at it that isn't heretical, that isn't anti-biblical, mm-hmm. just different perspectives on it. That gives, for me, a broader space for people to go, okay, we can dialogue and converse around different ways of viewing, seeing, trying to interpret Scripture, mm-hmm. and that it's okay to wrestle with those passages of Scripture. If theologians and scholars have been wrestling with certain passages of Scripture for 2,000 years, probably okay that we're that you and I, just the regular person, are doing that as well. Another part of this is, do, do people get ideas about God and their faith that are wrong and where do those come from? Like from a from from the church's perspective, where or a pastor's perspective, I guess. Where where sure. do, where do those where do I guess where do you think people get those ideas from? But also, what is it about church culture and the way it's presented to bring that up again? Why am I getting things wrong if given all those things? Yeah. Well, I think first of all, biblical literacy. So just knowledge of what Scripture actually says is insanely low Okay. Okay. in, in churches. And so if I'm trying to come to some—to have a clarity of God and of faith, and these are the things I do believe, you know, the question I always ask after that is like, well, why? You know, why do I believe these things? And so I, biblical literacy is so low that when you do start having— thoughts or questions about God it's it's you're working from a you're working from a place that doesn't have a very good foundation because you just don't know the word well enough and I think this is why so many especially young people are deconstructing their faith like just being honest so many just don't know their Bible well enough and so when they begin to question beliefs or doctrines or ethics that are taught in church they don't even have really the scriptural base to take those questions to scripture. 
Okay. They, they don't know enough scripture to even know where to turn with these questions. Like don't know where to even... Like where to even look in scripture, mm-hmm. you know. Therefore, I think they take their questions to friends or to social media or or maybe they just wrestle with them in their own minds. Mm-hmm. They don't take them anywhere. You know, they just within themselves. And I think that's the first part, just biblical literacy being really low. Because I know I've gotten that answer before. Like, hey, go look in the Bible. <laughs> right. To yeah. some existential okay. crisis just... I'm having. And I don't know where to look. Yeah, I mean, that's... I like... start reading it and it's talking about light. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't right. helping me. <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I think that's another good. I think that's another good point because I I realize that as a leader, I have at times said that to people. Well, if you just get in the Bible, if you just read your Bible, you know, dot dot dot, everything will be okay. And what I've realized is that it's not only that people don't know what's in the Bible; they don't really even know how to read the Bible very well for themselves. And so, I think just telling people to go read their Bible and hoping it's going to be okay. One, I think we have to tell, help them learn how to read it. But then secondly, okay, we're learning how to read it. But where do I go to, to get to your point, to specifically address some of the questions I'm having? Mm-hmm. Like, where in the Bible? And so I do think that we as church leaders have a responsibility to create an open space to say, Hey, if you have questions, come and talk to us. Mm. If you want to know about different issues in Scripture, can you come talk to us? You know, I had someone in our church just last week reach out to me in regards to creationism versus evolution and wanting to know, well, what does the Bible say about creationism? What does the Bible say or not say about evolution? And I love the question because, okay, now we can start dealing, mm. you know, together, having a conversation together about this topic. And so I think as church leaders, we have to create an open space where people feel comfortable and then they know it's okay to ask those kind of questions. Was, was, that, a, was that a future podcast nod, most likely? I think so. Okay. I think so. All right, good. Um, and and then secondly, along with just biblical literacy being low, I think there's also just the reality of that young people are being, you know, the young people born into postmodern world with an emphasis on pluralism, on feeling, and a, just a distaste of anything that has to deal with objective truth or a grand story, grand narrative that applies to everybody at any place at any time. And I think this has really bled over into the church, and especially Christians, because young Christians, millennials, Gen Zs, because they're shaping their worldviews. By worldview, I just mean what do they believe about you know, their origin, their destiny, their identity, their morality, you know, their knowledge of truth, like where does truth come from? Their, their shaping of their worldviews is now, I think, being shaped more by culture than it is by Scripture. Even if they're growing up in church, because they're probably, I mean, if I'm just being frank, they're probably not hearing enough just biblical teaching. They're hearing broad topics, but not just going through scripture addressing certain things. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to, and, and on top of that, just, I mean, stats just show millennials and Gen Z's just are not reading their Bibles very often anyway. And so you take a low 
biblical literacy level, and then with a very strong cultural pull right now, you know, away obviously from Christianity and to more of a pluralistic society. And so now their worldviews are shaped by culture and not scripture. And so this therefore leaves them with, I think, a very, um, you know, shaky understanding of who God is. Okay. You know, you grow up in church, you're not real clear on who God is, and you're definitely not clear on where in the scriptures it says God is these things and or why you believe this particular thing about God. And then you get to a culture that rejects those understandings that you heard in church about God. You have no way to refute it. And they actually just sound better to a lot of people. They and, sound better because the truth hasn't been presented in a way that sounds good. Or that connects. You're not, you're not saying that it is better. No, I'm <laughs> right. definitely not saying it's better. <laughs> uh, yeah, it appears to be better. Okay. Because, you know, God, you know, because then it's like, all right, well, well, God loves me. Therefore, God will accept any action I do almost. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, no, that's that's not a biblical position, but that is a postmodern position. Mm-hmm. Of the biblical position of that is that God has very clear lines, if you want to put it that way, of what is unloving toward others, what we call sin, and what is loving toward others. Okay. And I think in postmodern culture, we don't like objective truth, and we therefore we don't like having this objective morality. Mm. And so, therefore, we want morality to be very, or the culture wants morality to be very nuanced and vague. Or what's good for you is good for you. And so, I don't. And so, therefore, it comes across as well. It's accepted, you know, as long as you're not killing somebody, mm-hmm. right? It's it's. Let's try to accept Yet. this. <laughs> right you know let's but let's try not to or let's let's try to accept this behavior this mm-hmm. attitude this action and i think that can be appealing especially to young people and i i do think there's an, another part in this and it's that people are told to live a certain what we would call a holy life a certain lifestyle without hearing actually how difficult the struggle is to do it okay in other words like you need to always be kind. You need to never lust. You need to never have anger or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Without ever hearing those things are really hard. That's really hard to do. These There are struggles mm-hmm. in this, in other words. And, and, I, and I, that people have struggled to live life a certain way. And so I think when people are questioning God and therefore, okay, this is who God is. He's expecting me to live this certain way. And I am having a really hard time living that. And I'm not hearing others tell me that it's a struggle that I feel very disconnected. Mm -hmm. And then it's very easy to just go, well, this is just too hard. I'm out. So when I was, when I was a, I was a young Christian, I've been a Christian for like, I don't know, a year and a half at this point. And so it was, my, it was my freshman year in college, and there's like five of us driving to Atlanta. And I had decided I was done with Christianity after a year and a half. 
or whatever it was. It was just, I thought the struggle was just too hard. And so uh, we we're there's five of us were driving to Atlanta to go see some other friends. And I just was like, all right, guys, I'm, I'm out. Like I'm done with Christianity. It's, it's too hard. Mm-hmm. And, and they pulled over, kicked you out the car and kept going. Right. <laughs> Thank God. That's not what happened. <laughs> Actually, what happened was they, so one after the other began sharing about their struggles mm-hmm. And, I, of course, I was sitting there going, wait a minute, this conversation is supposed to be about me. Mm. You know, this is about me and my struggles. And everybody else is going, really? You're struggling? Well, I'm struggling with this, too. And and they're all everybody is sharing about all their struggles. By the time we actually go from Athens to Atlanta, we're all like, oh, okay, we're all struggling. Never mind. We're good. And it was like this. It was almost like a freedom found in that I was not the only one struggling. Mm. And just because I was struggling didn't mean I had to walk away from God. And the other Christians who had been walking with the Lord longer than I had were struggling with some things as well. And, okay, cool. We're struggling. We've all said it out loud. Let's just keep following Jesus in the midst of our struggles is where it ended up. And that is not at all where I thought the conversation was going to end up. Um, And so I, I think that just hearing people say they're struggling actually can be uh, very in- liberating and encouraging. And then hopefully we can hold each other accountable in the midst of it and not just sit around in our struggles all day. And then I think, you know, obviously we talked about, you know, church hurt and how that can lead people to blaming God for things and therefore getting some ideas about who God is. And and then the for me, the final thing is just there's new, you can go into a church and have a new experience in a church or you encounter different types of teachings or doctrines that are different than the church you grew up in, and it really can cause you to question, well, if they teach it that way, we were always told that was absolutely wrong. Are they wrong? Are we wrong? Mm. Are they Christians? Are we Christians? And I think it can kind of cause your own existential crisis. And I've seen this kind of going both ways where, you know, like you, you'll have a, a Baptist going into a really charismatic or Pentecostal church and they're being told things about the Holy Spirit that they were always told, no, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for today. Wait, what do you mean? In some Baptist churches, they're taught, or the, the teaching is, is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, so prophecy, tongues, oh. words of knowledge, words of wisdom, healings, okay. miracles, that those things are not for today. What, what are the other gifts called? The gentleness, faithfulness? Oh, that's the, like the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So that's yeah. different stuff. Okay. Different stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Yeah. No, everybody accepting the fruit is right. the gifts. Right. We, there, there can be some discussions about some differences on. And so... And Gen- gentleness isn't for today? Man, I've been, I've been doing this all wrong. <laughs> no, no. Keep the fruit. Okay. Keep the fruit. Right. Yeah. And so your fruit is being like love, joy, peace, patience, okay. kindness, goodness, yeah. gentleness. Yeah. And so, but the Baptist on a, so, you know, so if you're, if you've grown up in a really, you know, let's say, you know, you've grown up in a really Baptist, Southern Baptist church, Holy, you know, gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for today. And then you encounter a church that's really charismatic Pentecostal. And maybe someone gives you a word of knowledge. There's no way they could have known about it. And they're speaking into your life about something that's going on or has gone on. And you absolutely know it's true. That can be shaking. It can be in a good way, but it also can be in a, I was always told this was wrong. How is this happening now? Am I in a cult? 
right? And so, and then I, and then it can go the other way too. You'd be really charismatic or Pentecostal going into a Baptist church, being told the gifts are not for today. Here's why, mm. you know. And so, you know, just so simple things like that can start kind of messing a little bit with just what do we believe. So, what's your what's your answer to that? Like, what's the Churches have different beliefs on stuff. What do I do with that information? Yeah. So for me, okay, the first is there's essential doctrines. Right. Okay. We've okay. talked about yeah. that a little yeah. bit, right? So there's the essentials that really have to deal with like salvation type right. issues and that are fundamental to being a Christian. Mm. Okay. So we believe in God. We believe Jesus is God, right. that he died on the cross, that he rose from the grave. These are essential doctrines. When we encounter things that are that are that people are not disagreeing over essentials, okay, mm-hmm. so they're disagreeing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, for example. They're disagreeing over the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're disagreeing on women in ministry, whatever it may be. So I guess what I'm saying is, I ask questions my whole life about a non-essential doctrine, right, and. Every single Christian I ever meet gives me a different answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do I do with that information? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things. Like, okay, one, I realize it's not essential. Okay? Okay. So it shouldn't shake me to my core. Okay. I think that's the biggest thing, right? Like, this should not shake me to my core. Right, but but some some of the things, like, like I, I guess I'm thinking about taking communion okay. every week versus taking it once a month. Right. Like, well, what if these people are right? <laughs> And there's too much blood in me. And <laughs> I, I, I don't even have a response to that. By the end of the I, month. Right. What if the what if the once a month people are, are right? Right. And there's too much blood in me about at the end of the month and I'm like, oh no. Like what do I ha- I have never heard that before in my life. What do you mean? There's too much blood in me? Like I drank too much yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like that's just crazy. Um, but yeah. No, that's me. Being, I understand. Yeah. yeah. But like <laughs> Yeah, I think that I think that okay. So what we should do with it, okay, is I want to hear all the different perspectives. Right. That's fine. But then I also want to hear the scriptural backing okay. for these perspectives. And then I want to sit down with scripture. As much as I know scripture, okay, so or maybe I can yeah. sit down with someone who knows scripture better than I do, okay. and sit down and go, what does it se- what does it seem to me that scripture is saying? Okay, so I take the two differing messages, yeah, two differing perspectives, perspectives, yep. and I on non essential doctrines, it's mm-hmm. okay for me to sit down with the Bible and mm-hmm. make up my own interpretation. Yes, carefully. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would say that very carefully. Okay. I mean, you, you want to understand the passages you're reading. Like, you do want to understand some kind of context mm-hmm. of what's going on in those passages. One of the reasons people say things that are just erroneous is because they've taken one little scripture verse and built a mountain out of it. Okay. And they pulled it out completely out of context. Mm-hmm. But now for them, this is a real thing that I believe. And so, but you know, you sit down with scripture and sit down. And, and this is one of those things that maybe we need to do a whole you know, talking about. But like, how do I search and find out the biblical background of passages of scripture? And how can I get help understanding different passages? And mm-hmm. and so, because I do think that's it is helpful. So, how long should I spend? I guess it depends on the communion problem. On the communion problem, 
I wouldn't personally. I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time. Okay. Um, because my answer to stuff like that, right? In recent is, I don't know. Whatever. If it's put in front of me, I'm going to do it. Right. And so, because I just like, right? I, I don't mean, care to keep. Yeah. I mean, I know people take communion every day. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, oh. In their homes, take communion. Well, that's more blood than even once a week. Yeah. I, 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 and so I, I know people take it every day. I know people take it every week. I know people take it once a month. Like I'm good with all three. Mm. You know, I just when Jesus said, when, you know, whenever you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So, so that that's what you think about it. So whenever I do this, I'm gonna do the remembrance of Jesus. So I can, how often it is. I could sit there then, uh huh, <laughs> with a thousand wafers <laughs> and. <laughs> And a bottle of Welch's and be filling up my little shot glass every two minutes and go, huh, Jesus. And then do it again. And that's cool. <laughs> Completely cool. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's perfectly. I'm sorry. Bottle that's... of generic grape drink. Yeah, we're not advertising. Right. For we're people. not advertising. <laughs> That's yeah. If you want to do that and you're doing remembrance of Jesus, go for it. All right. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. I might it. run into other <laughs> issues like <laughs> obesity later. <laughs> yeah, I'm just and not then I'll sure. have to deal with those passages. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure how much you know. I'm not sure what that much juice would do to you. Okay. Right. <laughs> it can't be healthy. Right. Yeah. Okay. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> a question that I saw people wrestling with church people okay. when we were doing research for this topic was mm -hmm. the central theme of should people be asking questions? So why is there differing views on whether I should be asking questions or not about my faith? To me, I should be able to ask questions about anything sure. to anybody and if they don't want to tell me the answer, then they don't have to. Sure. But why is that a debate? Because there's the thought of I shouldn't question God. Okay. Or I shouldn't question his word. Like the essential doctrines. Yeah, or just scripture in general. Like okay. so if someone, you know, like so I've heard I've heard three things. Don't question God, don't question the man of God, which is usually the preacher. And don't question his, don't question God's word. Okay. And this is what I would say. We are told to test everything that we hear. So even from the most respected man of God, pastor that we know, we know that pastor is not inerrant, not infallible. That pastor can make mistakes, probably will make mistakes, will say things incorrectly. And so we shouldn't just simply take everything they say at face value. There should be a judging of it based on Scripture. So I think we should ask questions, you know, or maybe the preacher's preaching on something and he's suddenly we're like, huh, I don't know about that. I've got a question about that. Like, that's legitimate to ask a question to a, to a pastor. So when okay? you say test everything, what do you mean? Yeah, like... Because I can take that a lot of different ways. <laughs> <laughs> sure. What I mean by it is, like, when we hear something, we need to judge it by... I mean, that's a better word to phrase, okay. use it. Judge it by Scripture. It uh, needs, okay. In other words, it needs to align itself with Scripture. So you mean, like, test the 
biblical merit of it by going to scripture and correct and seeing if that lines up with correct. what God said. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And then as far as questioning God's word, God gave us his word in scripture. And I think he knew that we were going to wrestle with parts of it. You know, it's not just simply a an answer book that just has, you know, go here and find all your answers. That's not what scripture is. Scripture is about seeing the wrestling of God's people, whether that's the Israelites or whether that's the disciples or whether that's the early church. It's about watching the wrestling of God's people with with God at times, but also with his word, um, also with his truth, also with obeying his word and or understanding God and understanding his word. And so I think scripture invites us in to that same struggle, that same questioning. I think mm-hmm. it invites us in. So instead of saying the word of God never needs to be questioned, no, I think the I think the word of God is actually inviting us in to wrestle with things with scripture, if that makes sense. Okay. And so because rarely in scripture is I mean I just put this way. Most of Scripture again is an invitation into wrestling with things. Now, yes, there are at points in Scripture where things are just laid out very clearly. Okay, and I'm thinking in particular of like the epistles that many of the New Testament letters are saying, "Here's the issue. Do this about it." But even with that, most of the pastoral letters are not, or not just the pastoral letters, but just the letter, the New Testament letters in general. They are letters written to churches who are struggling with certain issues. And so they're written to help these churches with their issues they're fighting through, whether it's doctrinal, whether it's ethical, whatever it may be, and or even relational, whether Jews and Gentiles are relating with one another. And I think, again, they're inviting us into this conversation with what's going on in these churches. Mm. And so I, I think questioning within the word is 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 okay. Seeing, and I'll put it this way, even to the point where I'm seeing passages of scripture and they look like they contradict each other. Mm. It's okay to go, God, how do I make sense of this? How do I understand this? In light of the fact, seems that these two things are contradicting each other. Mm. How do I make sense of it? I mean, I was in school for three years at a very, you know, liberal theological seminary twice a week for three years. I was, I was many times I was asking this question. All right. Well, how do these passages, how, how do they connect? How do they not contradict? How do I understand them in light of all of scripture? I think, again, I think the word is the word is to be trusted, but it doesn't mean we can't wrestle with that word, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, and then with God, I know that there have been people that have said, never question God. Don't question God. I think it's okay to question God, to, to voice our questions. If he already knows what's going on in our minds and our in our hearts anyway, and those questions are already there, why not say them? And so I got it. Okay. I think we yeah. should be able to question to to just ask the question, God, why? God, why? I guess we've also been taught that He already has a plan for everything anyway. So asking why did why did stuff have to go that way? Yeah. 
is, I mean, yeah, that's and, essentially and, questioning God, right? Yeah, but not everything that happens in life is according to God's plan. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So not everything that happens in life is according to God's will. Will or plan? Because he already, he knows the whole future and everything. I'll say both. He doesn't predetermine everything. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so follow me on this, right? Because God knows what's going to happen, okay? Right. Like, I'm not denying his foreknowledge. Okay. He knows what's going to happen. Like, he's able to look into the future, our future, because God's outside of time. Right. So, time is just a construct that we have, that mm. we're working with. You know, in many ways, it's fair to say that God is already not just in our present, but in the future, because God is not constricted in time. He's not on a linear line like we are. So, and so because God is not limited, if you want to put it that way, by time and space, and he's looking, he can look forward and knows the things that are going to happen, but it doesn't mean that that is his good and perfect and, you know, will for for those things to happen. He just knows they're going to happen. Okay. And so, for example, a an individual that is killed in a car wreck by a drunk driver. I don't know if that was necessarily God's will for that individual to be killed by that drunk driver. Now, can God bring glory out of it and turn it for good for those that love him? Yes. I'm not denying that. But I'm also saying people make poor decisions, sinful decisions, like I'm going to get drunk and then get behind the wheel of a vehicle. And those decisions have consequences. Not all of those consequences that happen, like an individual dying because they were hit head on by a drunk driver. I'm not sure that was the will of God for that person or plan for that person. But it that is what happened. Now, does that make sense? It makes sense. It's just not the what I feel like I've known before. Why not? Or that what doesn't, if, that I, doesn't... I, <laughs> so what if you feel like you've known before? That that everything that has happened and will and will happen is is all God's plan. Okay. I just would say I disagree. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what I've heard. <laughs> Yeah, I just think there's a big, huge, massive difference between God foreknowing something and God predetermining something. Okay. All right, well, that's going to have to be a thing I go look at Scripture about later. (laughs) There we go. Okay, so great. (laughs) Just continuing your own deconstruction, are we, Nate? Here we go. (laughs) Glad we can joke about it. I'm not going to sleep later. <laughs> I'm going to sleep like a baby. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So if, if we're asking, can we ask questions about God? Ask questions about his word. And can we ask questions about the preacher and what he's about his message? And the answer to for me and each of those is yes. It's okay to ask questions in those areas. If it's the preacher who preaches, I can ask questions to the preacher who preaches about what the preacher who preaches preached. That preach. And that should be okay. <laughs> yeah, perfectly okay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, like, so for example, mm-hmm. I'm a pastor who preaches. Mm-hmm. I never have a problem 
of someone coming up to me afterwards or later on the week, whatever, and saying, hey, I've been thinking about what you said, and I've got a question about it. Okay. Never bothered by that. Okay. Even if, even if the question is basically, I disagree with you, mm-hmm. and I think you should reconsider this perspective or point of view. Well, that's not a question, but yeah. 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 They're asking me the question, I yeah. guess, by okay. itself, right. but I'll take it. Okay. So. so what, okay, what is it about church then and Christianity and all the people in it that may, that why has it gotten to the point? Because I feel like I was always afraid to ask questions. Okay. Why do you feel like people are afraid to ask questions? What is this? What is... I guess the preachers are acting like they're not wrong ever. <laughs> I feel like I could approach this from a few different angles. Okay. So let me do that. One is on the angle where in the, the church culture and environment that you may find yourself in is not one that values intellectual inquiries. And so in other words, just there's a lot of rah-rah, a lot of hype, a, a good charismatic message that's, you know, conveyed really well. And let's just get all kind of hyped up for Jesus without a lot of thoughtfulness going into what's happening and or what was just said and or, well, I don't know if I agree with that, but I guess I'm supposed to get rah, rah, rah you know, kind of hyped up for Jesus anyways at the end of the message, even though I've got really big questions about what was just said. And somehow if I have questions, then I must not have the faith that all these other people have mm. that seem to be rah, rah, rah. You know, like, in other words, I must not be getting it. And so I think when you have individuals that want to think deeper, want to think through things, and they're just around people, maybe in an environment that that's not valued. And it's just about the kind of the hype and the pep rally for Jesus kind of thing. But it's almost like that's all cloaked in this idea of faith where we just have faith. And so it, it comes across as, well, I must not have faith if I have these questions. Mm-hmm. It comes across like, like, like the church projects that. Yes. When yes. it does this. Okay. Yes. And, and I think... That so I think that can be one one thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. The, proje- the yeah, like you said, the church projects. If you have questions, you must not really have faith. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, even if the church is never saying that directly, it just the environment creates that um, presumption. Okay. And so I think that's one. I think you know. Secondly, maybe people have actually asked questions, but the questions not really heard. Or validated, and so they just walk away feeling like, well, that was a waste of time, or rejected, or angry, or these people don't care, and or you kind of like, you know, the answer you got early. Well, just go read your Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a okay. How the whole thing? <laughs> right. I mean, how? Where? And I think we have to be able to, as pastors, as leaders, I say we church leaders, we have to be willing to. Hear the questions and 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 engage with people in those questions. Or and I don't even want to just say like, well, here's a book, go read the book. No, let's let's talk through it. You know, or if I do recommend, hey, here's a book you might want to read on the subject, but then let's you and I talk mm-hmm. after you've read some of it. 
then I think that's more that's more valid. I just think people need to know that they can ask the questions. They're not to be brushed off, you know, because they have questions. And then I do think that there are some that are just, you know, they're just afraid to ask questions. They don't want to come across as, uh, you know, a, a doubting unbeliever or, you know, someone who is in a crisis of faith or whatever. They just, they have questions and they, they're afraid to ask because they don't really know how receptive leadership will be to those types of questions. I think that's why people, generally speaking, are afraid to ask questions about faith, you know, yeah, from a church perspective. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, this has been the one I heard this podcast. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and Rumble. You can keep up with updates on Facebook and Instagram at When I Heard This Podcast. And you can find me on Instagram at Nate Robinsoff and Joseph on Instagram at Rev Joe T. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.